to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network new media for the new millennia this is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because those Air Force 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people will turn this around Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there. Also, you can go to abitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. And the live stream ought to be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In the TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Again, that's Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening. I also have a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. TimeForAnAwakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 8.08 here on this uh, Friday evening, October the 7th here in the city of Philadelphia. We're in Freestyle Friday mode. Anything that's on your mind, just give us a call. We can talk about it. And we will do that at the start of the program. And that's after we come back after a brief word. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. 
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.13 here in the city of Philadelphia on uh, this uh, fall Friday evening. And we're in Freestyle Friday mode. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. But first, let me bring in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. The day is, uh, the day is nice as, as it is outside. It's, it's been pleasant, and it's been pleasant for me. What about yourself? Everything's good. Everything's good. I had a friend of mine that uh, called me up and uh, and said that uh, they had caught COVID. So uh, mm. they uh, were at home and, you know, doing all the proper things. But uh, it's still around, so a lot, a lot of people, you know, because the, the masks and all have been removed by, I don't know, uh, it seems like 80, 75, 80% of the public. But uh, uh, it's still around, so uh, we always got to protect ourselves. Everybody has been taking a regimen of the different uh, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, zinc, and all that stuff. Just keep on taking it, because the winter season is coming up, Richard, so... Uh, and this this uh this virus is still around. Yeah, I I, I have been um I got a thing about doing things religiously, but the um the supplement I guess you call it a supplement you had mentioned when we was talking to is that um um Professor Jackson when we were dealing with the COVID mm. um and I think is that Netta? No, is that the um so I've been taking it for throats and whatever, which um so far it's been working. And I know I got to increase my vitamin D. So um, your point about how we have to look after our health, our, our, our physical health with these viruses, um, these little viruses running around, but we also have to look at our health for the uh, the, the political viruses that are running around too and, and for us at this point. <laughs> you know, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to share Uh uh, this Friday evening, Richard, um, Brother Clifton uh, sent me some information up there in uh, New York about their struggle and what's going on around the uh, historical mural. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything has stopped uh, because it, it looks like, it, you know, after the demands were made, you know, our experiences here, when once the demands are made by the white public, generally, uh, you see our people kind of buckle and, and uh, acquiesce to what's going on. But when the demands were made up there, uh, Brother Cliff and some of the other activists and, uh, and Brother AJ putting it out in his publication, it kind of caused them to back off and and uh, regroup, so to speak, and come mm-hmm. at them come at them a different way. But uh, he sent me some uh, information there that I'm going to share with the listening audience momentarily. Uh, Also, um, uh, uh, Brother Eric from the West Georgia Cooperative, the Black Farmers, uh, they've been kind of on a hiatus with their program, but they're going to restart it uh, probably by the end of the month. Um, I don't know whether you remember when he was on, he was talking about the... uh, the uh, warehouses and things like that that they were planning to build and right. also the uh, the, the uh, indoor market that they were going to break ground on. And he said that they were ready to do that. Um, it's uh, it's other cooperatives that have linked up with them. Uh, they're starting some discussions around. Let me read this uh, 
And I sent it to you. Did you get it? I sent it to you uh, from the Black Cooperative uh, Development Seminar Series. No, I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, but just, just look at your email. It's, it, it's, I, I sent it to you probably early this morning. But let me oh, let me read some of it here uh, for the listening audience because we're gonna. I intend to broadcast it. It's October the twenty sixth, uh, from six to eight, which is a Wednesday. And I intend to uh, broadcast it for the listeners of uh, Time for Awakening Media. Uh, let me, um, while we're talking to Richard, if you, if you want to pull it up and look at it while I'm, because I'm going to read some of this for the listening audience. Uh, Network for Developing Conscious Communities, Conversations on Black Cooperative Development uh, Series. Um to address black food apartheid, uh, the value of cooperative model as a community development structure for creating food security and fostering community. That's the uh, basic mantra for the uh, uh, the uh, gathering, the series. The date is October 26, 2022. The time is 6 to 8. Uh, it's a link to click to register. Uh, but I intend to broadcast it on uh, Time for an Awakening. It says, uh, this webinar session uses the need for food as a springboard for strengthening solidarity, creating stronger relationships among racial and class lines, and building self-esteem of participants. Food apartheid is a problem that occurs when the black community cannot access healthy food grown on healthy black community soil. This results in high occurrences of sickness and disease, which finds blacks more likely to suffer from obesity and even diabetes. There is an increasingly broad uh, consensus growing among black organizers that food apartheid includes the systematic destruction of black self-determination to control our food, including land, resource theft, and discrimination. This uh, a series grapples with new ways to understand the question of food control and explore terms such as food apartheid, food desert, and food insecurity. Some have taken what is considered to be a bolder stance and have stated, call it what it is, food apartheid. Ultimately, strong policies are necessary to ensure that no black neighborhood experiences food apartheid and need to redistribute power to remove systems of oppression. Uh, the moderator uh, will be Malik uh, Kenyatta Yakini uh, out of Detroit. He was on with us when we were on uh, Terrestrial Radio, Richard, when uh, me and Reggie was hosting the program. Malik, I haven't okay. talked with Malik in quite a while, but it's good to see him. still. Well, I knew he was still out there because I see some of the stuff he's doing. Uh, Brother Eric Simpson, who hosts uh, the Black Farmers Program, will be one of the featured speakers along with Jasmine Ratliff. Uh, so this will, um, this will be the 26th, Richard, of October, and we'll be broadcasting it. So you see that um, if you remember when we had Jillian Henshaw on, and also, um, I, you know what, don't get me to messing up, Richard, uh, the, the uh the professor that wrote the book on cooperatives. Right, right. Yeah, when she was with us. 
So these, just like we've been saying before, a lot of this activity is going on, but we don't have the uni- unified black media to put a lot of these things out and let the people know that these things are going on. And some of our people that don't see it or hear it on their popular stations, uh, they in their mind, they figure black folks ain't doing anything. But a lot of these things are going on, a lot of these gatherings. Uh, the only thing that's needed is black people to know what's going on, to be involved, and to put money behind it, put some funds behind it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do, I do say in it, and as a reactionary thought, Elliot, if you don't mind, because these, these activities, as we keep um, broadcasting them, you know, what's going on in New York, around the mural, what's going on in Mississippi and Jackson around the water, and, and here, you know, around, you know, um, you know, dealing with the food apartheid, um, it, it, it shows, again, as you say, this is a formation that constantly um, comes together every 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 so often right and the only thing i guess i'm trying to i want to emphasize it's different than what is the what even with the media black media and the media in general is projecting to do because this these kind of formations are talking about um basically having um self-governance and self-control so there wouldn't be any food it doesn't matter if others have food apartheid or food uh, or a food um, containment uh, for black people. What what this is about is saying we can be able to feed ourselves, um, and and this this cooperative is centered in our particular history in America. You know, I mean, cooperatives has always been, and I and I think it's important because the other, the the black people of the other persuasion want black people in general, and I would say even that media we talk about to be food dependent, to be dependent, mm-hmm. whether it be about food, whether it be about uh, medicine, whether it be about be just. You know, in every aspect to be dependent, dependent. Yes. Compared to being independent and self governing. And that's something that in America it hasn't and it doesn't seem that it will it really as a system, whether you call it a system of white supremacy, whether you call it white nationalism, whether you call it, you know, the foundation of American capitalism, it doesn't want black people to be independent, self-governing on its own terms. And that, I think that's important to, to also bring up. I, I agree. And uh, we're going to see a little bit more of what you said, Richard. I'm going to try to expand on that with some of these uh, uh, things that I'll bring up during the, uh, our, this uh, program tonight. Um also, uh, another email I want to read, uh, Brothers Akiba Rudy, uh, out of St. Louis, the Universal African People's Organization, uh, sent a notice that, uh, they'll be delivering, uh, let me read this, uh, the Universal African People's Organization proudly announces that by the grace of the Creator, uh, and St. Louis community organizations, 
uh, and individuals will donate uh, in the spirit of love and the spirit of Chokwe Lumumba uh, over a thousand cases of water to Jackson, Mississippi residents on Thursday, October the 6th, which was yesterday. Uh, so he was sending me a message uh, to let the folks know uh, that the brothers and sisters of, with the Universal African People's Organization is is involved in, in, in taking water to our brothers and sisters in Jackson. Uh, Reverend Pinckney had already arranged with uh, uh, a brother Patrick to uh, get some water deliveries down there and to organize and, and put him in touch with some other folks that's closer to him uh, to help with some of the uh, the organization and deliveries down there in Jackson. So the network is working, Richard. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just want to share those uh, uh, two messages um, uh, with the uh, uh, Time for Awakening audience. Um, Brother Clifton sent me, and Brother AJ uh, sent me uh, a notice last week. And Brother Clifton sent me a notice a couple days ago. I'll play what he's. Uh, uh, spoke at the um, at the uh, 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 council meeting that they had uh, last week uh, when they had the uh, sessions and he got a chance to uh, express himself about what was going on up there in that area. Uh, but it's, it's one thing I want to share with the listening audience, Richard, that uh, Brother AJ and Brother Clifton sent me last week. Uh, Sunday, we didn't get a chance to mention it, uh, but let me, and this goes to some of the things that we've been beating the drum about, about the sleight of hands, the uh, shell game uh, played on some of our people by representation that's supposed to represent us. This was a uh, article that was printed in the Black Westchester, and let me read this. It says, Congressman Jamal Bowman and Hakeem Jeffries hold town hall meeting uh, in Mount Vernon. And the article says, dubbed dubbed by the Washington Post as Brooklyn's Barack Obama, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries was joined by Jamal Bowman for a town hall at the Greater Continental AME Zion Church. on Tuesday, September 27th, both representatives held a discussion on the black agenda, fighting for our very democracy, our rights, and the importance of everybody to get out and vote, especially in this election. Um, the town hall uh, started out with a welcome address from Dr. Uh, Stephen Pogue, pastor of the Greater Continental and president of the United Black Clergy of Westchester, uh, followed by an opening remarks from Mount Vernon Mayor Sean Patterson Howard. Uh, the, the reason I'm reading this, Richard, that all of these quote-unquote black dignitaries was there. The uh, pastor of the church in Westchester, and if you remember, Brother Clifton mentioned about the the church that was in Westchester, considered their mega church. Now, I don't know whether this church was pastored by the 
the guy that's second in command in Sharpton's National Action Network. But I'm quite sure the pastor knows about what's going on there because he's right there in Westchester. Um, you had two representatives, including, as Brother AJ uh, said, that the, the Washington Post calls him uh, Brooklyn's own Barack Obama. So all of these folks were there. And and I just read to you what the agenda was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to read it again, but I didn't scroll down. And, and uh, but you you heard what the agenda yeah, was, right? Right. right. Um, fighting for even for our democracy and um, yeah. Oh wait a minute, here it is. Fighting for our very democracy, our rights, and the importance of everybody getting out to vote. So I, I'm focusing on the fighting for our and our rights. Mm-hmm. Um, usually at a town hall meeting, the mic is set up usually in the center of the floor. You know, Richard, how this works. And they have question and answer at the end after all the speakers present, you know, whatever they're doing. Brother Clifton told me that the mic was shut off for some reason. They didn't want mm-hmm. the folks to come to the mic. That they passed out cards to put your questions on cards or comments on the card. So you, Richard, you know what that does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So regulate the speech. Yeah. So he didn't, he was there along with some of the other activists to express what was going on in Westchester in reference to this historic mural, which I'm quite sure all of those elected officials, including the, the, the mega pastor, the mayor of the neighboring community, they all know what's going on. But it wasn't mentioned because he didn't get a chance to mention it, and none of them brought it up. So it just shows, again, the misrepresentation of, quote-unquote, black representatives. If that's not an attack on your rights as a people, then I don't know what is. To get in front of black people and, and beat this Democratic Party drum about our democracy is under attack. Come on here. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? I don't care about what they're doing. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, as I hear, as I hear this and I, you know, you know, Elliot, I'm always um, framing things in, 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 in political from a political interest perspective. Right. And and this here, as you said, there's um, fighting for democracy, and and I seen that uh, poster here in Philadelphia, and I think I mentioned to you in a section, and it was said, um, you know, um, something with freedom of democracy, you know, you know, um, fighting for the freedom of your democracy. Um, so this is a slogan that they're pushing, which ties to again ties to voting, and and the question about um, rights, right? But but you know when I contrast in my mind what's going on in Westchester now, it's it's a fight about the freedom of speech. That's the interest. I mean, do I have the freedom of speech? And and in that freedom of speech, am I able to identify who historically has represented me? And what the 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 fight there? Not fight. But what the expression, the political expression is that you're not, there's certain people that the, the 
blacks who are in the Democratic Party or blacks who are sitting on the council, is that Westchester? Um, There's certain individual leadership um, that are symbolic to um, black self 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 determining. I think um, you had read um, when they um, Brother Clifton they had mentioned what it was. Um, how many now? It was thirty nine, thirty nine. I mean, there was thirty nine different images, and twenty of them they had they called in the question. Yeah, they wanted removed. 20. Well, wait a minute. It said twenty plus, so. That's over 20, whatever the plus right. means, whether it's 21 or 29, it's over 20. But but these are people that um, this community constituency, and it does tie to the politics, and it does tie to the vote, and it does tie to, to rights, and it does tie to democracy. Because the question is, are this, this community um, political machinery that is being represented by this town hall is saying, there are certain representatives of the of black experience that we cannot um, acknowledge. And to me, that is, when you say that, that means that you don't have the right to identify who represents you historically as leaders or even in present. Because some of those individuals aren't just people of history. Those are people, when we talk about Minister Farrakhan, right, that, that are still alive. And they're being called into question. And as you're implying, in this here meeting, town hall meeting, held in the community where this is going on, the representatives, congressional representatives, mayoral representatives, you know, uh, local representatives, they're attending and they don't even bring up there's a constituency or even allow the constituency voice of dissatisfaction as they move into the midterm. It sounds like to me, um, when you talk about fighting for democracy, they're preventing democracy from actually exercising itself. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, this is not a, and especially after it's been put in the media, this is not a hidden story. All of Mm -hmm. those folks there that were supposed to be representatives of the community on the congressional level, the state level, the local level, you had uh, uh, clergy there. All of them know what's going on there, and none of them mentioned it. The activists wanted to mention it, but they weren't allowed. I mean, they can't get up there and snatch the mic. They weren't allowed. Now, he, uh, AJ said that they put the, you know, uh, uh, Clifton said that when they passed out cards, being that they all of a sudden the mic is not available, that they put the things on the cards. They're, uh, you know, mm-hmm. And it was it wasn't read. Now they had a, um, a session at the I guess the town hall or what, not the town hall. Their uh, I guess you would consider it their city hall or what, you know I'm kind of equating it to Philadelphia. Right, they had you, they had a council mm-hmm. yeah they had a council meeting and uh, and Clifton sent me uh, uh, during the time he had to express his views. He sent me what he uh, uh, told them, and I'll play that for the time for awakening audience. Um, in my hand here, I have almost 200 signatures of people who want Demiral to stay. 
and I, I will have next time online that we have over 125. You know, um, we had a rally on Friday, a peaceful rally, a rally about love, that no hate involved. Because, of course, you could be unapologetically black and proud don't mean that you hate anybody. You know, what's upsetting to me is that, and Paul, you know that I always supported you in the beginning. When the vision came to put this mural together, Caucasian, Europeans, Asians, Jewish, wasn't even in a thought. It was about our culture, a story to talk about our history. And for Paul, for you to take it to this level, I feel sorry for you, man. Because it's got nothing to do with you or the Jewish race who are European that we love and that we respect. I just want to read what Gina said a while ago about it's about the contract. And we say, yeah, you know, it is about the contract. And we know, Paul, that you tried to send another contract to the artist Kendall to read to um, for him to um, redo his contract over, which he did not. That's the truth. Paul, you never consider once of how the black community feel. And I'm even more disappointed that we have two black representatives for the first time in the history of Greenberg sitting on that board. <laughs> and that one and all felt like to say, hey, Paul, hey, boy, let's take a look at this. This is a black community. You know, maybe we like to like have a public hearing, like Ellen said. Anyway, it goes back to the contract. And it states that for any same dispute with Paul, you supposed to put in writing. If you had something you didn't like about it, y'all should have put in writing to the to the artist. Also, y'all paid him on August twenty on August twelfth. Garrett DeCane, who's working the machine back there, Sarah Bracey White, Pastor Williams, these are people y'all entrusted and Ken Noko, we came back to the subcommittee of the Merle came back to Ken to meet that him and Francis share and share with them. And y'all gave the artists the money with Minister Farrakhan upon the Merrill. Yeah, I just want he sent me that. I just wanted to share the uh uh, the uh, segment that he had gotten to uh, present some of these things uh, uh, before uh, the governing body of that area uh, to let him know the signatures that they had gotten in reference to uh, uh, support for Kendo and and the, and the mural. Uh, he mentioned online signatures too. I didn't I didn't see that link. Um, mm-hmm. But you know they they still fighting up there, Richard. And we'll we'll always get them back on to kind of give updates on what's going on. Um, you know, he he, he, uh, he keeps letting us know about what is happening. So I, I just want to uh, to kind of pass it on to the listening audience. And and again, Elliot, I, I want him. You know, when he, you know, for me, the 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 distinction about interest is the point and the point to raise. Um, you know, in reading about you know the 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 what's that the the um, town hall meeting that they had is the 
um, particularly the blacks within the political machinery. Yes, it's the Democratic Party, but it could be the Republican Party, too. Um, the representation of the blacks within the political machinery and whose interests are they serving compared to, um, uh, you know, Brother Clifford, I, I take it, represents the community. And how many people represents or has to be large enough in order for their voice their um, political rights um, or, the, or, the, or the representation for democracy to be heard, that their interests be heard. And what I'm trying to reemphasize again is if they, these people who are in the political machinery, don't believe that the people, that the community, or at least the community that says, I like what's there, I like the historical representatives that's there, that represents our historical interests. If they think that that's different than the people that they would put up there, I don't care about the others in the community. I got, I got that there, but I'm, I'm really concerned of within us, these two different interests and one is using its infusion into the political parties, which which controls a lot of the resources that the black community in general, we can see aren't getting enough of, and then may have a challenge with the particular historical representatives and have a challenge with that should we have the freedom of speech. And the reason why I bring this up, because every generation, Elliot, we have this confusion amongst within our our own historical group between these two people, these two bodies, these two interests, those who say, well, I represent America, I represent the party, and those who say, I represent black people. We we can't overlook that. I don't I don't I don't maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm exaggerating, you know, or whatever, and I look for the time for waking the audience to challenge me, but it seems historically these are two that we have to reconcile with, and we cannot have other people be moderators or be there, you know, because in this example, it's it's the this here uh this bureau chief or whatever he is. Um, you know, saying um, that, well, that's offensive to our interests, which has nothing to do with black people. That's another, whether you call them an ethnicity or a religious group, a political group, yes, they have an interest, but I mean, aren't they controlling the voice of black folks? Aren't they controlling the historical narrative? And then you have these other black folks that's going along with it by their silence. Because yes. that's what you said about this town hall. Their silence. Their silence, right? yeah. Yep. But I'm not saying anything. That that silence speaks volumes. Mm. Richard, um the uh it was an interesting article in the Black Agenda report. Uh about the uh, the Congressional Black Caucus's uh, Foundation's Awards Dinner in Washington on uh, a couple days ago, October the 1st. And uh, 
um, Margaret Kimberly wrote an interesting article here, and I want to share some of it with the uh, <laughs> Time for Awakening audience because you got a big, um, although they've been running around talking about all of these elections, you've got a big one happening down there in Georgia that a lot of black folks is looking at around the country and even in that state. But let me share some of this article. I thought it was interesting and important. Uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see it, Richard, in the Black Agenda Report? I, I, seen, I seen it, but I didn't um, fully you know, digest it. Okay. Let me, I'm going to read uh, just a couple paragraphs of it. Um, the Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative conference returned with the usual corporate sponsorships in obedience to the Democratic Party oligarchy. Joe Biden received a warm welcome from the group, which does little to accept uh, live off of a progressive represent, uh, reputation, which it has not deserved for a very long time. You know me, and I know you. These words were spoken by President Joe Biden at the recent Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative conference. No doubt he was purposefully invoking Congressman James Clyburn's 2020 endorsement. Clyburn famously said, I know Joe, we know Joe. Mm. But most importantly, Joe knows us. The identity of the other party in this first person plural was never stated. But I was widely amused, uh, but it was widely assumed, excuse me, to mean black people. The oligarchs of the Democratic Party have chosen Biden, and that meant Clyburn went along as well. He is not the kingmaker uh, he's made out to be. Of course, the importance of his endorsement extended beyond the South Carolina primary and was considered to be a stamp of approval for all black America. The CBC hasn't improved any since that time. The annual conference uh, host is the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, which this year secured a sponsorship from Amazon, uh, the corporation whose warehouse workers suffered injuries at double the rates of counterparts at other companies. Amazon's low pay and working conditions churn out low-income workers so rapidly that in many places, their warehouses warehouses have run out of people to hire. The behemoth corporation fought tooth and nail against a successful black-led unionizing drive at one of their warehouses in New York. As always, the CBC conference was sponsored by corporate giants such as Amazon, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Delta Airlines, Bank of America, Fossil Fuel Corporation, uh, Domino Energy, BP, Exxon Mobil, uh, big pharma corporations such as Genentech, Johnson and Johnson, Bristol Myers Squibb. It's no coincidence that Congressman Jim Clyburn receives more campaign money from big pharma than any other member of the House of Representatives. As the House Whip, he is unlikely to allow any legislation that his 
funders would not want to see realized. Biden acted like the good white boss in his appearance, telling jokes about attending Howard University. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Uh, Biden acted like the good white boss in his appearance, telling jokes about attending Howard University, bragging about appointing Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court, and supporting historically black colleges and universities. With the CBC, we invested an historic $5.8 billion. That's B, with a B, billion dollars. Even as he told the story about the Voting Rights Act being passed, when neither he nor the CBC members seemed to be concerned about protecting it. Uh, Biden bragged about Medicare uh, negotiating drug prices, but left out the fact that this won't happen until 2026 and will apply only to 10 drugs. Kingmaker Clyburn uh, surely played a role in securing that outcome. Let me read this last uh, paragraph here. Or two paragraphs. If Biden is the good white boss who can tell jokes and get a reliable laughs in return, he won't be taken to task for his giving Ukraine and the military industrial complex $80 billion. He won't be asked about the failure to build uh, of the build back better or why the majority black city of Jackson has a failing infrastructure that doesn't provide clean water to its residents. Of course, the CBC leaders aren't stupid, and they held sessions on topics of importance such as black material health, the black maternal health, I'm sorry, obesity, and stopping gun violence. But a closer look shows a mishmash of nonsense which absolves them of taking effective action on a number of critical issues. The prosperity gap could be reduced with a higher minimum wage and legislation making it easier for workers to organize at Amazon and other corporations. How can there be more self-sustaining? How can there be a self-sustaining Africa under imperialism and the control of AFRICOM and the U.S. Africa Command. How can black workers aspire to home ownership when they are regulated at jobs at corporate sponsors uh, such as Amazon? And it's, uh, you know, get a chance, uh, listening listening audience, go to the Black Agenda Report and read that article. It's an interesting article. It kind of gives you it kind of pulls the cover off of what's going on there with the quote-unquote black representation and what they're doing uh, that the average public does not see. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's interesting. You brought up the, um, what's the name, um, the Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, that the media had, or what I quote anyway, the media had a, a, a field day of her making a statement. And I think it all ties to, and I think we should tie it to the political moment we're in with um, Biden visiting, you know, 
visiting that event that the CBC had um, in relationship to the statement that she made um, about th- this whole part of what comes out of what's going on in Alabama around redistricting, right? Um, that 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 just caught my attention because in her and they call it, um, you know, one the um, Mother Jones in their article called Alabama wants to pervert the Fourteenth Amendment to gut voting rights. So Jack uh, Justice Jackson took them back to, to took them back to a history class. And but what was um, what's what's so interesting and and I think you know is that what what is it that she said right um first being clear um and, and it's important because i think the 13th 14th and 15th amendment you know speaks to um black people um you know especially those um in, that were um in the slave society being brought in um to the con- constitution um under some you know provisional uh the amendment right um, to the Constitution, and that, and the Fourteenth Amendment, that being the one that were granted, you know, and that's in 1868, granting citizenship, um, which Black people weren't, um, in general, granted c- citizens weren't considered as citizens. I think that was so. Here is a present case um, in Alabama um, dealing with this here whole thing of the of section section two of the that 14th Amendment, which is a representative shall be appro- appropriated among several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of a person in each state. Remember that three-fifth clause, counting the whole number of each person in each state, including Indians, not taxed. And here, Alabama, in their redistricting, is limiting the amount based off of the, where areas where Black people are um, demographically in greater numbers are going to prevent them from having political enfranchisement by creating districts that excludes their ability to to have um, political power in those districts, which means nullifying their vote. I don't know if people will agree me with, with with that. And but here, you know, and this here, um, it says that the the law at the center of the case is section two of the voting rights act. And you had just mentioned whether the CBC is protecting the voting rights, right? Um, which bars election practices that results in a denial or abridgment of the right to vote based on race. <clears throat> Voters and other groups have challenged Alabama's 2021 redistricting map um, for its seven seats in the U S house of representatives arguing that the map violates Section 2 by diluting the votes of the state's black residents who make up 27% of the state's population. The state, the the challenger said, illegally packed many black voters into one district in a part of Alabama known as the Black Belt. At the same time, the challengers contended the state dispersed black votes in the rest of the black belt into several other districts where they are only a minority when it should have created an additional majority black district. So this is, this is going on now and tying to the 14th amendment. And why, you know, why does, um, and, and where does this, 
newly selected by, I think I heard you just read from that, um, you know, the, the report, newly selected um, push um, Supreme Court Justice, um, this um, uh, Miss um, Supreme Court Justice Kentanji Brown Jackson, to be this voice that's now dealing with in this case. And she just, she just got seated. It's, it's the theater. We understand, we have to understand the theater. She just got seated. And then this case comes up. And then what she's raising is that when the 14th Amendment was raised, and these are the two points that struck me because they're around reparations. These two points are being brought up and they have black constituency of uh, younger black constituency that is um, becoming more engaged or looking at the political parties, especially the Democratic Party, with a <clears throat> with that were jaundiced eye. Race, saying the 14th Amendment was based off of race. Now, the Alabama um, argument is that the 14th, they're doing this to, uh, from the perspective of race neutral, that, that the Constitution is race neutral. She's saying the 14th Amendment, which is a part of the Constitution, had was specifically developed for a constituency of people based off of race because of their exclusion. And this specific, the other part, um, and this ties to, and you can t- hear it for those who are, are following the California uh, Reparations um, Commission, the discussion around race uh, as it relates to reparations, it specifically ties to that and identifying, which is another um, constituency group of, of identifying called Freeman or the Hauling Freeman. So what does she do in, in presenting that the, this this 14th Amendment was specifically a race design um, a, amendment to the Constitution looking at a specific group of people entitled freedmen to be participating in this governmental body, utilizing that. And what is it that the white, I must say, or of the conservatives, I don't know who runs Alabama, right? Like, should I be at, should we, should we act as we are ignorant? Who runs Alabama? All right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they are there and they're creating districts that sounds like reconstruction, the period of reconstruction again, to where black folks would be, um, limit the power to participate to gain control or at least have some control within the state. Because if you only got one district and you scattered it amongst the majority of whites in um, in other districts, then you can't utilize, consolidate your demographics, your voting rights, in your own interest. What your own interest would be. If your own interest is about the, you know, the making sure that the water is clear, your own interest is about um, being able to have access to the, um, the food, um, you know, so there isn't no um, no um, food deserts. If your own interest is about being able to have a level of economic development, you know, that that will suffice you or have the kind of health care 
that is necessary so that you won't be able to have the what's going on with the the hookworms um because of of the poverty and living in these rural areas if you can't have political representation because you the 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 calculus is working against you once again but what what is the what is the democratic party and the black political operatives of the democratic party doing well, didn't didn't Mr. Biden give you your Supreme Court justice? Didn't she just say to them white Alabama conservatives, even with a six to three conservative Supreme Court justice um, body, that 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 race is integral to the Constitution based off of the Fourteenth Amendment? And and it's a side, Elliot. The originator of the 14th Amendment is um, doing reconstruction is John Bingham. And it's interesting when you um, pick up, for, and for the time for awakening audience, you pick up a book called um, American Founding Sons, and you find that John Bingham's friend was Titius Bassett, who went to a, to a college with Bing. He, he was a, a ex-enslaved person who was in Ohio, went to a college in Ohio and that's where um John Bingham met him met him and there and the concept which is the basis for the 14th amendment comes out of their 40 year engagement with each other and this is before Bingham be- becomes a congressman and be able to doing the part of that being the radical republicans to put the 14th amendment on so black people or black person and black people's interests is intricately involved in the formation of the elements of the 14th Amendment. And here you have the silence of black Democrats while they're partying, you know, and bringing um, the president, uh, Mr. Biden, out and tell and saying, how good his friend. Now, what, what, what state he in? North Carolina? South Carolina? Yeah, South Carolina. You know, how good his friend, how good we, y'all know we are, and because that's my friend, and therefore, uh, you know, you if you want to be black enough, you know what you're going to do, because Biden is saying that he's going to run in 2024. But this Supreme Court justice brings to the fore this um, move of saying, Race and freedmen, um, the Constitution is race, uh, dealt with race and is not race neutral. And that the people who were um, brought in, who were excluded, were considered freedmen, that they have a positioning. And this here, this dealing with Section 2 is disenfranchising them from being able to exercise themselves in the state of Alabama, um, utilizing their right to vote. I just thought that was interesting. Hopefully I made some sense of it. Well, you know what, Richard, the, um, and I think you mentioned that um, that black representation in Alabama is 27%. Right. Didn't you say that? Yeah. Um, re- remember when we had James Lance Taylor on, and he used the formula of, as a political scientist that anywhere our people are, whether it's a county, a city, 
a municipality or even a state where they're over 30 percent, they can take control of the politics there. You remember when he said that? Right. Yep. Now, keep that in mind because I'm a, that's going to come up again. The thing about redistricting and you hear these white politicians using the narrative that our democracy is under attack. These Republicans are doing this and all through the South. But this stuff is got you, you can even un- open. Uh, this stuff is going on throughout the nation. It's not just right. in the South. Right. It's going on in, 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 up here in Pennsylvania. You had, when you had that representative, Bob Brady, who was the, I think he was the only white uh, lawmaker over a total black district. You remember that, Richard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when he, all of a sudden, the scandal arose and he just disappeared from office, he never really, he said, you know, he just kind of disappeared. Right. And then you had Dwight Evans uh, run for his seat. But then you had a Trump supporter, Fitzpatrick, got the other portion of his seat. Mm-hmm. So redistricting has been going on in the North and South. So when they try to limit this thing to the South, like black people are in the trouble in the South, they're in trouble all over this country. You, if you remember, and I'll play this for the listening audience, and, and white folks always try to trip up. Well, they don't try to trip up. They ask questions to black politicians knowing they know the answer. Mm. But I think that they're just saying that to see what they'll say. Listen to what, this was on Face the Nation, and this woman asked a question of Hakeem Jeffries about redistricting in New York. New York is not in the South, neither is Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But listen to what he said, just in case the listening audience don't remember. I'll play it. Here we go, if I can find it here. I usually try to keep these uh, these things and play it back so none of our people forget. Here it is. differences between the two parties Mm -hmm. and I think once the voters understand that dynamic the choice will be as clear as a sunny day in San Diego. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you a bit about what's happening uh, in your home state of New York. Uh, we've talked in this program previously about the redistricting that has been happening around the country, New York, to Democrats' advantage largely. But you've had this fight internally over the congressional map. Bottom line, did Democrats put their own communities at risk in your state by gerrymandering it to the degree they did? Now, wait a minute. Richard, mm. you hear the question of what this woman asked him. Right. That this wasn't a, you know, because they, they run around telling black folks about this Republican when they're both wings of the same bird. Mm. But black folks think that these Republicans is enemies when it, this whole political system is black folks' enemies. Now, the woman asked him, basically, you know, this was Democrats that did this. Oh, give us an explanation. That's basically what she's saying. Do, right. do you get that from what she's saying? Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen to the question again, listening audience, and listen to his answer. I'm going to try to reel this back a little bit. Country, New York, two Democrats, obviously, about the redistricting that has been happening around the country, New York, two Democrats' advantage, largely. But you've had this fight internally over the congressional map. 
Bottom line, did Democrats put their own communities at risk in your state by gerrymandering it to the degree they did? Well, the Court of Appeals was wrong in the decision that they made, both on the substance and in terms of turning over redistricting to an out-of-town, unelected special master and a judicial overseer in Steuben County, who is a Republican uh, Democrats control your state le legislature. This was a Democrat-led process. <laughs> right. The pro well, the process, unfortunately, was hijacked by the Court of Appeals. A bad process has now led to a bad result. You're talking about five different congressional districts where the black and Latino population was degraded. The only uh, uh, most significant Jewish district in the country has been detonated uh, for no good reason. Do you think uh, you have a, file, many a case to file in court? I think that the lawyers are taking a close look at that. Okay. But here's what's most important. We're going to remain united uh, because we believe in, in a very simple vision for America. Okay. Work hard, play by the rules. You should be able to provide a comfortable living for yourself and for your family. Educate your children, okay. purchase a home, and retire with grace and dignity. Thank you, Congressman. You, you hear that, Richard? <laughs> that last yeah, listen, part, he, I don't know. We, 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 what plan he just jumped on? Like, I, I got to say something. Well, you, you, that, well, wait, wait a minute, Richard. You, you've been too critical. That's the rules to our salvation. He's, uh, he's your leader, isn't he? He just told you what it is. Let me read it. Let me play it again for our people. He made it simple. When the woman asked, because he, he started blaming Republicans, and she said, well, wait a minute. It's a Democratic state. Oh, 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 it's a special master. He gave all this old bullshit. Listen to what he said again. Make it simple for you, Richard. If I can get it. I think that the lawyers are taking a close look at that. Okay. But here's what's most important. We're going to remain united uh, because we believe in, in a very simple vision for America. Okay. Work hard. Okay, this is the black folks' simple vision for America. Here it is. Play by the rules. You should be able to provide a comfortable living for yourself and for your family. Educate your children. Okay. Purchase a home. And retire with grace and dignity. Thank you, Congressman. <laughs> you, you hear that, Richard? Work hard, educate your children. Play by the rules. Play by the rules, mm. and, and you'll be able to provide a living for yourself and for your family. I mean, are you crazy? What is, what is this? See, I, listen, Slavery I ain't trying to be no hater. Huh? Say that again. Slavery 3.0. Yeah, well, uh, you know... You got to point these things out. I ain't trying to be no hater of these people, but these people don't represent black folks. What are they doing? What kind of answer is that for our people? He didn't even answer the white woman when she asked him. You know that ain't no answer for us. This stuff is going on, whether it's in New York or it's in Alabama or Georgia. This stuff is going on all over this country. And for these whites to try to relegate this narrative, some Republicans, these wicked Republicans, this wicked system is doing this. And the sooner we realize it, the better it is for our folks. And that's that's the that's the critical point, Elliot, because what we're seeing is that we have to be have a system um, at least. I'm not I'm not one. I don't you know, um, self-governance for me. And, and you mentioned, you know, um, you know, self-governance for me is that at least we have a system to be able to be clear of our interests and then use whatever tools are that is in front of us to make sure that we can bring our interests to fore, but not be in a system where, where we are dependent upon somebody giving us 
something when they when they think, feel, or need that they got to give us something, and that's something they give ain't nowhere near what we need. That's two different kind of. That's I just and then, and we're not going to get it if we're not organized in a manner with each other, recognizing our differences, and in spite of that, recognizing who is more who has more was taking more from us that we have to work to get than is giving us knowing what we need. Cause those black politicians, when he's saying that, you know, um, when we look at locally, like in Philadelphia with not only redistricting, but what's that gentrification, you know, redistricting turn changes the power dynamics. So you can't be able to get, the money coming down from the federal government for infrastructure that goes to the state, that goes to the locals. We heard the farmers, what the black farmers said, and we see how that worked out. It came to the federal white, white, not white, white farmers, white bankers said, well, wait a minute, you can't get them that. Yep. And you see, and you see what Biden and his democratic brethren did along with the support of the CBC. They pulled the rug out from under their own people. Mm. Right. And this, and we ain't talking about something happening in some far distant past. Let's let's get it right. We we talking about something that's just happening right now. So so when you raise about earlier about this the, the cooperative and the, and the me coming together, you know, and dealing with just even dealing with food. Um, dealing with the issue of food apartheid, food security, like this is as as always something we have to do in order to be able to survive. And I say survive, and we know we want to thrive in wherever we are. And these guys are too. They're 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 like. And then you have these other folks. And we just have to, we, I mean, I'm, Elliot, I'm just, uh, maybe I'm going on too long and I may be being too redundant, but I just don't think that we're dealing with those in the bureaucracies, um, those black people in bureaucracies and institutions are leaving too many of us out, out in the American winter with no coat. Bridget, listen, you you heard the man. It, it, it's simple. You work hard, play by the rules, but buy a house with you and your family, and everything will be all right. That's what he told you. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Richard, I played his clip, his voice, not me saying it's about him. You heard his own words mm-hmm. into why uh, he played the soft shoe into why this redistricting is going on in northern states uh, that Democrats are in control of. He gave the tap dance about a special master and stuff like this. Now, if you remember, and I played the clip, and I'll play it again, when Stacey Abrams was questioned about dealing with black issues, she gave a song and dance, if you remember. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to read some of these stats here from her state because it's important. When you look at a race that she's involved in with that governor, 
that was supposed to be her friend, but when he made racist statements before, she claimed she was surprised. You remember that when she first ran against him? Yeah. Oh, he's my friend. I can't believe he's making racist statements like this. You know, either you drop your books and lost your lesson, or you don't know what's going on. And then you got a race between Warnock and Herschel Walker. Warnock, who sat back and let those, he went in there talking about he was going to help farmers and sat back and helped pull a rug out from under black farmers. And he said that he was going to be a representative for Jews in the Senate, which he's been effective to, for that. And then you got Herschel Walker. I mean, it, him, I'm, it, it, come on. You got Tweedly D and Tweedly Dumb as far as I'm concerned. But let me, before I read some of this stuff here from Georgia, let me play back her remarks when the Rella asked her about uh, dealing with this stuff from a black perspective or dealing with issues that directly affect the black community. Let me, let me pull that up. Another question is why, why politicians are so afraid to say that they're doing something especially specifically for black people? Like they use the, the, the cloak of poor people and people, the under, of people of color, the underprivileged. Why is it that you can't just come out and say, I'm doing this for black people because black people need it because so many things have been done to us throughout the history of this country. So many things have been done to us, but very little has been done specifically for us. Why do you think that is? Because African Americans represent 12% of the population. And so if you are a traditional politician doing the math, you think if I name this group, I am going to lose other people and I can't get, if every single black person voted for me, this may not get me what I want. So let me make it vague enough that other people. Richard, now hear what she said again. Uh, She may not be able to get what I want. And it's supposed to be about the welfare of all of our people. When King and Malcolm and them was talking about fighting for our people's rights, he they weren't talking about getting what they want. They was speaking for the masses of black people. So she used a, she's running in Georgia, right, Richard? Yep. She's not running for president where you use the, the quote unquote, Although it seems like all in these national elections that black people is always the key factor, like Malcolm said. But she used this stuff about black people only 12%. I think it's higher than that. It's 14% of the population. Wait a minute. You're running in Georgia. According to statistics, black folks is 31, almost, in fact, it's 32% of the population in Georgia. 32 not not 12. So you can say what you're going to do directly for black people in your state. That's you're running for a state office. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Richard. No, you know, no, that's it. You have the effective numbers to say exactly what you're going to do for black folks. Because now, if you remember when she first ran, she was appealing for white, for black women to support her. Now, in this campaign, all of a sudden, it's black men. In fact, it's a national campaign now to get black men's support. All of a sudden, they need black men. You got a, 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 an organization now, and I shared that with you, Richard, 
right. where uh, Shelby Steele, who's a black Republican, everybody ought to know him. Shelby Steele and who is that that's working together? Isn't it Clyburn? No, no, no. no. It's 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 the the, the the Trump court, the the the, uh, the Trump hearing. Uh, uh, Benny Swanson, Benny Small, uh, Benny Thompson. Is mm-hmm. Benny Thompson and Shelby Steele, or Michael Steele? I'm sorry, is working together. Now, ain't they two opposite ends of the spectrum? Right. They working together to an organization to get more black men to vote. And vote for what? Now, if you're talking about taking control of the politics in these areas with a code of ethics, because several of the independent black parties have code of ethics to what they're talking about. All of it is dedicated towards helping the community, or helping our people in general or, or, or nationally. We've read several of them on this program. Mm-hmm. Not a Democratic Party agenda that's supposed to be for the middle class. Where most of our people don't find themselves in that situation. Now she gave that parable of only 14%. She's running in Georgia. It's 32%. Now, and, let, and, let me read. In that, in, that, in that interview, what you're saying that, Elliot, and for, for people that, that need to um, follow up just to, to confirm, when she was giving out her solutions, I don't think, and as I, re, I guess that's the reason why he raised the question, that she was speaking for black people. the policy initiatives that she, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, Ellie. I, I, I'll accept because as I'm, I'm going over my memory and my memory's bad, uh, I, you know, I'll leave, I'll leave that alone. But if she says that, then she said traditional politicians. Well, is she running a traditional campaign? <laughs> Is she a traditional politician? And you're telling me that there's 30, 30 what, something percent in Georgia? Yes, uh, it's uh, 31 point, if, 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 rounded, if you round it off, it's 32 percent. 32 percent? But this is the, the, you know, again, you know, Elliot, riding this, riding this black horse um, because this speaks to us. What we have to do, what we, how well we have to be organized at the community level. These, these formations that are happening that on Time for Awakening you're hearing about, these are the things that have to be, people have to be engaged in in order to be able to say, this is our interest. No, you will speak to what we want you to speak to. Well, you don't need to keep coming to us to talk. Yep, for a vote. Yeah, you don't need. I mean, why? Why? What? Could you tell me about you? Tell he's saying that you need to. Well, and look, when when uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still flashing on on on, on Jeffries, right? Because they're saying Democrats are fighting about this redistricting. So, what is it? All black Democrats that are fighting. 
wouldn't we, couldn't we assume in New York around the redistricting, there are white Democrats? And she said, the commentator, that in districts, basically, she didn't use the word, you know how sophisticated they get, right? That, but like, the people who will be affected is the ones in black districts by this redistricting. Mm-hmm. By you Democrats fighting with each other. So that's still a black and white thing. And then he said, he tried to put it on the Republicans. She said, no, 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 boss. No, boss. There ain't no Republican here. Y'all fighting. And and y'all, the black ones, are losing. And would he have come back? Well, now he's supposed to be talking to black people, right? Well, if you just work hard, save your money. And play by the rules. And play by the rules. You know, in spite of that we're, that you, we we can't win the redistricting battle with white Democrats. That you're going to be disenfranchised by, by your voting power because they're redistricting you out of. Instead of just coming to the black community and saying, this is what, this is what's going on. This is what we, this is my suggestion of what we need to do, which is to become more organized, more effective because they, I, at the same time, I don't hear these lower minority groups numerically. And I think you read, you read those off at another time. Um, the, the Hispanic group, the Asian group, the Jewish group, those numbers is less than 12 or 14%. And yeah. they're not losing. You don't hear about them losing any political patronage money because of the effectiveness of their social organization as they play within the political parties. You don't hear that. And, and you always hear black folks um, saying one of the uh, people of color, you know, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. I mean, some of them putting on, the, you know, the yarmulke and, and, and getting a plane ticket. But why we the largest, we, we're, we, we got the highest health rate problem, the highest unemployment problem, the high, the, I mean, our housing problems. North and South, and can't drink the water. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just dramatizing, Elliot. Richard, before we, um, I was going to take a break, but let me read this uh, this these stats here that are coming out of because uh, we were talking about Georgia in particular and that race there, and thirty one percent or thirty two percent of the folks down there uh, is. African American and has been going up steadily since 2000. Um, according to this, uh, 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 what's it? Few, uh, if I can pull it up, I think I got it somewhere around here. No, I can't. I, I don't see it now. I had it earlier. Uh, it says black voter eligible black voters have accounted for nearly half of Georgia's electorate growth 
since 2000. And they've raised uh, a black eligible voting drove nearly half of Georgia's electorate growth since 2000. And since 2000, it has increased 48% leaps and bounds over any other nationality there, including whites. Whites trailed in by 26%. So their influence there in that state uh, had, it, it's, it, uh, has, jump, has jumped 48% since 2000. Now, let's go inside the numbers, so to speak, because Hakeem Jeffries talked about um, black people just work hard, play by the rules, buy a house, and uh, raise your family. And then did some of the things are Let me read this, this article here. Or some of these uh, statistics. Uh, Georgia's minimum wage is $5. And uh, let me, no, I'm, I'm going to take this off here. Georgia's minimum wage is $5.15 per hour. However, some uh, limit limited exceptions. The federal minimum wage is seven twenty five. Now, a living wage in Georgia, according to published reports, is seventeen dollars and sixty four cent an hour. A living wage. Poverty wage is six dollars and nineteen cent. The minimum wage is seven twenty five, but Georgia's minimum wage is five fifteen. So I guess you'll see jobs in Georgia where people get getting paid five dollars, six dollars, or whatever, or they might be getting minimum wage. But you see that the minimum wage is nowhere near a living wage. Mm. So you either getting poverty wages, or anywhere in between that is what they consider the working poor. You know what I'm saying, Richard? Oh, yeah. So let, let me go down a little bit further. The minimum wage in Georgia has remained $5.15 an hour in state law for more than 15 years. The wage doesn't affect most workers since it's below the federal minimum wage. But keeping a low, low minimum wage on the books, even... Even so, it's not unusual in the South. Several states in the region, including Louisiana, Mississippi, don't have minimum wage laws at all. The policies represent a long-time Southern strategy, according to James Cobb, a history professor at the University of Georgia. The South has used cheap labor to attract businesses since the Civil War. In the 1930s, when the federal minimum wage law was proposed, southern states fought against it. Years after losing the battle, he said, the belief that low-cost workers create the best business climate has persisted. Now, according to uh, statistics, a lot of these southern states, either they don't have a minimum wage law or they got a low minimum wage like Georgia. $5.15. $5.15. So I'm quite sure, Richard, if you go into Delta and other regions, maybe backwoods areas in Georgia, that these people are making $5.15. Would you agree? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Now, keep in mind the relationship that was stated for black people when that uh, General Granger went down there at uh, Galveston in 1865 on the fateful day of Juneteenth. And I'll read it again. This was General Order Number 3. It says, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection thereto exists between them becomes that as between an employer and hired person, hired labor, I'm sorry. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness, either there or elsewhere or anywhere else. So, Richard, it was stated by the United States government that the relationship between black folks and the government or white folks will no longer be slave and slave master, but employer and hired person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. according to this Georgia professor, that's what's always been happening in a lot of states, including Southern states. So they keep that law on the book where it's a low minimum wage or no minimum wage. Now let's go a little bit further into the numbers. So we can see exactly what's going on and what what these black politicians should be really dealing with if you're talking about Georgia or anywhere else in this country. This has come from a published report on March 21st of this year. It says nearly one third of the workforce, 31.9%, is earning less than $15 an hour. Roughly 52 million workers and their families are struggling to get by on wage on wages of declining value. You hear that, Richard? Yeah. Now, this stat is talking about all workers. 47% of black workers work for less than $15 an hour. That's what it states in this same article. 47%. That's over. That's that's about fifty percent of our people are struggling or working poor, according to these statistics, Richard. Yeah. Now let me finish it up. The vast majority of workers earn less than fifteen dollars are not teenagers. Eighty-nine percent are twenty and older. Millions of low-wage workers are parents struggling to raise children on low wages. Among working parents, 57% or 11.2 million people earn less than $15 an hour. In 2021, 19% of blacks living in the United States were living below the poverty line. Now, I, I didn't mention the working poor wages. Below the poverty line, according to these stats here, was below $6.19 an hour. Mm-hmm. So it says here that in 2021, 19% of black people living in the United States were living below the poverty line. In Georgia, it's 21.5%. That's what you should be dealing with. 
That's what you should be talking about. That should be your campaign mantra to get some economic equality for your people in that state or for our people here nationally. And the way you do that is starting. Look at what I read earlier in the beginning about the West Georgia cooperative and some of these black co-ops. Those are things you got to focus on. If you really want to give your people economic footing in this country to do anything, then you might not see all this explosion of people hitting people upside the head. These young people you're looking for guns, robbing people and all this type of stuff, this violence in these communities. And then looking for white folks to try to help you quell it. And all they're going to do is put more guns. This country was established on a gun. This man has no intention of regulating any weapons. He said no intention. No intention. That's how he has attained what he has attained. Ever since he got out of Europe and started venturing to other lands here, the continent, uh, Asia, Australia, Hawaii, the islands, the, the Caribbean, South America. That's how he attained everything he has attained. He didn't go there with benevolence and wisdom. And the people respected him and basically allowed him in. He went there with a gun and slaughtered people and took what they had. That's not anybody humane. That's a, that's almost bordering on being an animal. Mm. That's the truth. That's a truthful statement. People could take it. Oh, that's a bigot. That's a racist. You say what you want. History, it proves it. How you go in these places where you were welcomed? All of these places, listen, all of those places I named, whether it was in the islands, Australia, South America, North America, the continent of Africa, none of these places attacked Europeans when they came there. None of them. They welcomed them. Because those are the things that they were taught by our ancestors that ventured off the continent. What to do with strangers? Welcome, feed them, make sure that they, you know, to treat them with hospitality. But he didn't have, maybe he never had those lessons or he lost his lesson, dropped his books or something. Because when he went to those places, all that was in his mind was, I'm going to take what these people got. And if they object, I'm going to kill them. Men, women, and children. He had that same uh, vision with animals when he went into, he nearly wiped, it's several species that he has wiped out or it got to the point where they had to be endangered. You only see them on preserves now. When he came here, he went buck wild. When he seen beaver and, and, and buffalo, the timber wolf, the, the mountain lion, they have been dwelling here with native people for, for, for thousands of years. But when he came here, he just went to the mink. He went wild and just killing, killing, just random killing. That's what he does. He ain't interested in regulating no weapons. Mm. he sells weapons all over this world to keep conflict going that's what he loves but he gives people an impression that he's a peacemaker and some of our people some of these other nations in the world don't buy it they know what's going on but some of our people here buy this foolishness because they have brought into this society and the bullshit that this man talks Let's catch a few of these calls before we wind things down, Rich. Let's go to 347. 347? Yeah, what's 
Elliot. Yes, Listen, man, I need you to clear something up for me um, right quick. Two things. Number one, you had said that um, Raphael Warnock um, is not supporting the black farmers. Well, maybe verbally he is, but when it came to that legislation, he didn't. Okay, now... In fact, in, there, in fact, wait a minute. In fact, Chuck Schumer, you know, they always do that. When something happens, they'll put... <laughs> if a black person worked with them so-called behind the scenes, they'll put them out there so your people can hear it. Now, whether our people follow up on it, that's up to them. But they'll, they'll throw them under the bus in a minute. Now, if you were, now let me, wait a minute, let me play this. Just keep in mind, keep your question in mind, whatever else you want to say. But I want to play this. Now, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi is the leads of the Democratic Party, right? I would assume so, yeah. Okay, I, th- I think that they are. Richard, you, you're aware of that, right? Yeah, yeah they, the, one is the Congress and one is the head of the Congress is Pelosi. And Schumer is the head of the city. Yes. Yeah. Let me. Uh, let me. If I can find this. Hold on a second. Oh uh, boy. Yeah, go ahead and finish your statement because I'll find it. And go ahead, but I I don't want to cut you. Well, well, basically, basically, I was I just wanted to know who is the black um, senators or congressmen or woman that is supporting um, the black farmers. Who out of any of them have came to the defense of the black farmers to move um, forward their claim to claiming the money? And the second oh, thing, let, oh, go ahead. The, the second thing was you were talking about Stacey Abrams and her um, campaign to um, get the black male to come out and vote. Mm. I mean. What is the issue of that? Because from my understanding, she already got the black woman locked down in Atlanta as far as voting for. I think from the projections is anywhere from 93 to 96% of black women that are eligible voters are going to vote for her. So well, I would think that it, it would be a waste of damn time to go out there and pander to them and that the intelligent thing would be to pander to um, black males for their vote if it could increase her chances of overtaking um, Governor Kelly. Well, listen, it, uh, in principle, it might not be anything wrong with that, but I think according to last statistics, when she ran before, she got 95 or 96% of the black female vote. And I think right. she got 88% of the black male vote. When you're talking about huge percentages like that, you basically got all of their vote. And see, we need to stop playing these games that Europeans get some of our leaders, quote-unquote, leadership to play. Don't come in here talking about, oh, I want women vote. I want Listen, we're black people. And if you're appealing to black people, you're appealing to black men Women with children can't vote. Appeal to the black family. Don't 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 play these games. 
I want the women. I want feminists. Come on here. Our people are in too much of a bind with these people to play. Let them play their games with the with the with the however they want to approach well, their people. Well, do you think? Well, do you think maybe in her subconscious and from our observation that the, she don't think that there is no damn black family? If the truth be told, one would say that there's no cohesive black family. There's no cohesive mother and father in the home like it was well, I mean, 20, 30 if, years ago. If it's not, and it should be, if it's not, and it should be, then as a quote-unquote leader or somebody to profess to be a leader, then these are the things you should be pushing. Don't push something like she told that young man about, oh, I won't, I won't get where I want to be. What the hell? I don't care where she wants to be. It yeah, ain't about her. But, but, but that's, not the, that's not the direction and the structure of what those politicians are, are, are doing. Well, yeah, exactly. That's just what I said. If you want to be honest about it, if you really want to be honest about it, a politician don't give a damn about every day. But that's just what black I said. Folks. We got to stop. Basically, their basically agenda is to court people like myself who got a little bit of money. Yeah, well, that's just and what I okay. That, that that's the reality. But didn't ain't that what I said? But isn't that what I said? That we need to stop playing these games that Europeans play with one another. We're not in those situations not, that they are. They're not playing games. I don't, I don't see that. And the reason why I say they're not playing games is because in reality, something that, you know, some people don't want to accept and admit, they don't give a damn about no everyday poor black person. Because if you notice, they never do anything for them. And those that attempt to do something for everyday black people, them the ones who catch out, a.k.a. someone like a Charles Barrett. So the reality is they're trying to cultivate a constituency that is a fabrication of BS. Because the reality is, if we're going to be honest, the black middle class is dwindling. The black middle class that they're, that they're chasing and that they're supposed to be protecting and showing their interests uh, marginally being displaced by other ethnic groups. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody, nobody wants to deal with that and 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 address it. You know what I mean? So they want to get caught up in the whole thing about what Jeffrey's doing, which Jeffrey has no interest in you, because you don't, because you don't, you don't have the necessary assets in his mind. I don't know if you do or not, but in his mind, to court to get your type of donation to support his bullshit. So that's the reality. That's the reality of the truth be told. And on top of that, lastly, we as a collective of those who say that they are on the bottom haven't figured out how to organize. What were you going to say? To punish people like him. What were you going to say, Richard? I'd say I'm the the challenge I'm having is that I I agree and disagree at the same time, and and it's and it's the way the analysis is framed. The, the these are representatives of the party or the nation. 
they're not a representative of the interests of black people. Now, black people, if they're and and, and the party is is to their interests and the national politics is to their interest to have individual voters that seem like they are of a unit, but really they're moving, they want them to operate as individuals. So even those who have a little bit of money, they don't want them to operate as a interest. Those who have a little bit of money operating within their own interests because then they would be demanding from the political machinery, the party and the national party, certain things that would be to their interest. They don't want poor people, people who, as, as Elliot raised the numbers, to operate from their interests. They want them to just participate as, as voters, individual voters, and vote for the party and the person that the party puts up. That's all. Now, what do what do that tell you, though? No, wait, no, wait a minute. It, it tells it tells us that we have lost sight of what is our interest. Because if we were clear of our interest, and we do know, and we do talk about other groups who we say we talk about them that they move in relationship to their interests and they give us visible signs of how they are moving how they respond as it relates to their interests that's not necessarily the party the party responds to them because they are they're moving and they're dictating and they're demanding based off of our interests what it says to us which we don't want to admit that every time we move to our interests, the state, the federal security system comes after those individuals, those organized groups who saying we want to move, we want to demand our rights, or we want to demand our space, or we want to demand our portion of the, the governmental trough. Every time they come together, they find a way to really say. Do you understand? Do you understand why? Let me. I'll tell you why. This it's real quick. The difference is. I see y'all like names, so I'll use names. The difference between a Roland Martin and some everyday um, Mm. community organizer is. He wants to be a part of the system, Roland. But that's, that's let me finish the point. If you if you let me finish the point, you'll understand it, and you won't I jump to whatever conclusion you are. A Roland Martin wants to be a part of the situation. He wants to be a part of whiteness. Another community organizer doesn't want to be a part of whiteness. He wants to have whiteness give him something. So whereby whiteness would rather deal with someone who wants to be a part of it and do something to benefit it than to do something for one that wants them to give them something. So that's why you have a Jeffries who really doesn't do anything for the so-called grassroots people and people of that nature but who will do the little that he does do for people like Roland and them. But we haven't, we haven't figured that out yet. And if you look at, if you look at other organ, other ethnic groups, 
they don't they don't really try to go at politics on the level of being part of whiteness. They go at politics on trying to get something for their constituency, their community. And that's why they have to be treated different than black people are treated. But we don't we don't we don't under, we don't understand that. Because the bottom line is, we feel as though we've been here and we're supposed to be treated as a, a certain way, that they owe us something. Uh-huh. White man don't know you nothing other than a foot in your ass, which he gives you every single day every, of the week. Every, every time you make your analysis, you make it from, you. on one hand, you make the other groups from an organized, social, cultural, institutional interest group that is engaging in the economy or the economic aspect or the political system. But when you speak to black folks, their own best interest. Right, right, right. right. But when you speak to, when you speak to black folks, what you miss. And every time I bring it up, I don't see you engage it. You don't engage. The difference is that those other groups never had the state. Well, didn't come into this system as an outsider. They were brought into the system to become an insider. You are, your assumption in my, as I listen to your analysis comes from the perspective that black folks, regardless of what position we're in, whether we're a Jeffries or, or Roland Martins or whether we're poor, your assumption, your basic assumption, as I read it, is that black folks came into this system with some with some intent that they were supposed to be a part of. Now, Elliot... That's how they behave. Elliot just read um, what they're they're giving us, given now in a public thing, the Juneteenth thing, where in Texas, the relationship that the federal system said for all black folks, even though it, it was characterized for those in Texas in that area specifically, that you were to come in and you were not to be, you were on, you were to treat your slave master as now an employee. And that's for the ones that were working. You were not supposed to go nowhere, but you, at the same time, you were not supposed to be standing around. There is no other group by law that came in first being a non-person who was given personhood, and that's why um, Kalanji's point about the 14th Amendment, was given personhood through a, through a, a constitutional law based off of the exclusion of them as a race, a group. And that regards if you were in the North as a free person or in the South as an enslaved, you come into the, by the 14th Amendment that you are now a citizen. Okay, now, now Richard. Wait, 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 wait. This is what, this is what I'm going to do. She did that, right? Elliot, Elliot, listen. She did that, right? And I love what she did. Now, this is what it boils down to. And we could talk all the rhetoric we want to. What happens when they vote 6-3? See, you, That's you, all you, I'm you, talking about. What happens when it... You, hold on you, a second. What you keep going on what they when they vote six three. You keep going on what they do. The point but is, the, but, but who has the power, brother? The, brother, the, who has 
the power well, to do what they want to do, well, let, let, and you who challenge them are in no position to do anything about it when they do it. No, well, we're in a position. We're in a position. Let me, let me, I, I want to play this clip for you. I'm going to put you on hold. Thank you, brother. I want to put you on hold, but I'll bring you back. Okay. But I want you to hear because you don't, you didn't understand how these people that are in positions of power screwed their own people. When I mentioned to you that Warnock uh, was involved in screwing black farmers. Now, I ain't care about what he states about. I support black. Farmers. A lot of them say what they state out their mouth, but what they do behind the doors and then their white handlers or throw them under the bus when the pressure gets on. Listen to what uh, is stated here in this clip, and I'll bring you back. But listen clearly. That way you won't be disillusioned or not understand what these people are doing. I'll, I'll put you on hold, but I want you to listen. And then I'm going to go to the next call. I'll come back to you. Just listen clearly to uh, what was stated on the Joe Madison program by Chuck Schumer, who's in the leadership of the Democratic Party along with uh, Nancy Pelosi. And let me, uh, boy, I just had it now. And, uh, Ms. Uh, I'll find it. Give me a second here. Here it is. Listen to what he states in reference to the change in that uh, uh, policy that Biden put out that screwed black farmers. Let me get uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on, and I appreciate you coming on again. It's good to talk with you. Thank you. But let's talk about being so glad. Uh, why should we yes. be glad uh, about this important historic bill that uh, well, was passed? Yes, Joe. Well, it's something, you know, that people have been asking for for a long time. And it's really going to it's aimed at helping average folks do better. One of the other questions I, I now I have here something I, I need your explaining because uh, John Boyd, as you know, and you uh, and know John Boyd with the Black Farmers, I do uh, very yes. well. Uh, I'm reading this, uh, and let me just read. And it says the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, Section 22008, repeals the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, which provides black, native, and other Joe, farmers wait, of Joe, color. Yeah. What? What? Uh, explain what happened. Okay, what we put in the bill, and this was led by our two African American senators, Cory <laughs> Booker of New Jersey and Raphael Warnock. We put in two point two billion dollars for black farmers. That's going to help them keep their farms. Now there was in the old bill a um, a a proposal that there could be no more foreclosures. There should be a moratorium. They weren't sure that was legal. The administration can probably do that on its own in a good way, and we will hopefully get some of that done. But in the meantime, there's a lot of money to prevent foreclosures. So it was a good bill, and both Warnock and Booker were very happy with it as it came to black farmers. But uh, you can tell Mr. Boyd will work with them on the moratorium, which is something that should happen. Too. All, right, all right, then fine. Now, the, the other issue, let, help, me, help my audience understand. Does this now go to the House, and will there be yes. changes there? No, they will not change it. They're going to just, uh, and, and the answer is no. And the House is happy with it, and they will not change it one bit. All right, So, and, and that vote should be taking place relatively soon. 
Friday, and then the president will sign it. I hope to be at the White House for the signing ceremony. All right. Uh, Richard, if you remember that clip there, when he threw those two under the bus and let the bus run over them, he mentioned Cory Booker and Warnock was the authors of this. To, uh, to, to stick black farmers. And then he told all those lies about, oh, it's money for them. Uh, uh, the, uh, they're going to, uh, the uh, moratorium on the, uh, the foreclosures. That's a damn lie. But that's what you get out of those folks. The, all of that stuff is a lie. The one, the thing that wasn't a lie was, was about the help that he got from Warnock and Booker to stick it to black farmers. That wasn't a lie, but he just threw them out there under the bus. He mentioned, he didn't say, oh, me and Nancy, we worked on this, me and Pelosi, or me and, uh, um, what's that guy from West Virginia that been fighting a lot of, that, that was balking at the black farmers getting that money? Manchin. He didn't say, me and Manchin worked on this. He said Booker and Warnock. So I will uh, listen to that clearly, and I'll come back to you, calling from New York. And plus, I'm play another clip that I want you to hear and understand clearly what these men are talking about. That way, you don't go disillusioned or go off half cock, thinking that Warnock is some type of, of savior for black folks over the other idiot down there, uh, Herschel Walker. Now we'll come back to you. Let's go to boy. You got two calls here. Let's go to two six seven. Two six seven. Hey, how you doing, Elliot? Yes, sir. And uh, how you doing, Richard? Yeah, you know, I'm just sitting back listening, man, and I can't believe it. You know what I mean? Uh, when we get caught up in propaganda, we, you know, it, 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 and, 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 and the thing about it, I had to back up from non-intelligent conversation because sometimes we listen to people like Joe Madison Roland Martin and these people, and we actually believe some of the garbage that they're spewing. The only thing that I have relied on all these years is what Malcolm X said. Their wings are the same dirty, filthy bird. So that's the way, if, until we get it in our minds that there's no difference between a Donald Trump and a Joe Biden, because our people get, you know, you know, when I when I went to the poll to vote for either, you know, the president, I wrote in Mickey Mouse, because we're going to get it either way. Our people are going to get it either way out of Warnock and Herschel Walker. Our people are going to get it either way out of Kemp and whatever that thing is, uh, Abrams. They're going to get it either way if they put Val Demings in there. We gotta realize this, man. And and, and 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 people get all emotional and crazy and they twist the words around and they act like, you know, the thing about it, Elliot, if we were in Georgia, which we don't live, because I, I talk to a lot of my cousins down there, they see no difference between Herschel Walker and and, and, and Warnock. I said Warnock's a little slicker. He's a little slicker talker. And Herschel Walker's a big country stooge. But there's no difference in them. They still represent oppression. Just like you just said. Just like up here in Pennsylvania, man. And, and you know, I'm, I'm laughing at it. Because I've been a proud independent for almost like the last 20 years. So I can look at the stooge show 
and just clearly laughed at it. The the Democrats are running on it. They're going to give women the right to kill their fetuses. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm listening to this, and I'm saying, like, well, damn, they, they didn't say nothing about the gas prices. They haven't said nothing about the inflation going up. They haven't said nothing about the billions of dollars that they're giving, so-called giving to Ukraine. I just think that's high-priced theft. They're stealing that money. So, you know, they finally bought up Hunter Biden and his drug problem, and they're going to investigate him. But, you know, I don't even get caught up in none of that. Just like you said, and, and, and we, we had this conversation, Georgia has a huge, especially Atlanta and all around the area, they have a huge black population. What's wrong with them getting an independent party and start investing in that instead of being brainwashed by Warnock? See, that, that shows you the intelligence of some of these people, man. And the thing about it, man, I, yeah, I, you know, somebody asked me would I vote for Walker. I mean, if, if I did, what difference would it make? I mean, Ellie, I'm asking you and Richard, what difference would it make if we vote for Trump or if we vote for Biden or we vote for Abrams or we vote for Kemp or we vote for Wolf or we vote for one of these stooges up here? What difference does it make to our community? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for your I'm waiting for your uh, your response. Well, I, it doesn't make any difference to the masses of black people. It'll make difference to some of the uh, quote unquote black bourgeois that want to cuddle up to either the Democrat or Republican uh, exactly. Party. It'll make a exactly. difference. Like, what, what do you think, Richard? What difference would it make? In the, I mean, I don't, you know, when you say individual, what, a, what difference does an individual vote make? None. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the challenge I'm having w- with the framing of it is that when we speak from an individual perspective, no. And that's, and by doing that, regardless of what, what, what color our political philosophy is, we're, we're, we're at a disadvantage and therefore no, no benefit. But when we speak from the perspective of what is our interest, you know, being clarifying our interest and who, what group we are a part of that reflects that interest and how we are engaging in the political structure based off of that interest, um, that, that, that to me um, will, is where when you see a difference. Because, I, and I'll just end with this because I get a little frustrated about it. We cannot uh-huh. say in the patronage system of the political party, and when you look at Philadelphia, you look at Delaware, you look at Georgia, ask how many people um, that we don't know no names of that got their political position. Some of them even got a little business. Some of them, some of them got a contract. How many of them got that because of those individuals who were in that political in that political space who only want, and, and they got served. So when we ask that question, that invisible body, then we ask how big is that invisible body that gets serviced by political patrons? When I go to city hall in Philly, there's a uh-huh. lot of black people working in there. Uh-huh. A lot of those black people are working there because they're, they're patronage jobs. Uh-huh. 
that, you know, working for the city, a lot of them are working there because they're patronage jobs and they live in black and they live in the black community where the unemployment rate or the poverty rate is high. Uh-huh. But they got their job because of that individual. And the party don't care if these other people don't vote. They uh-huh. only care if they come out and support it. And those black people who get those patronage positions, they support that candidate. Right. And, you, and you're absolutely right. Now, my, my thing is, man, and, I, I, you know, I, 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 this is my philosophy. And people get angry with me when I when I say this. But I used to hear Brother Rob say, we didn't vote our way into this mess and we can't vote our way out of it. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. My thing is, if you want, and I heard the previous caller when he said that, you know, she's catering to the, the, the woman Abrams. She's catering to black men uh, or whatever. But if you want my vote, you're going to have to tell me what you're going to do for me. You know, and that, and, and until we get that form of intelligence saying, if you want our vote, this is what we want, and we want it now. But we just go and pull the lever because we hear these idiots on these radio stations, the Roland Martins, the Joe Madisons, the... Uh, all these people, man, and 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 you can see that they stir the conversation to make the big bad Republican the racist and this that and the other. When Biden is the biggest racist I ever seen in my damn life, man. He called our children cockroaches. So you know when you can defend a man like that and say, you can, you know, we'd be better off to vote for him. Because I'll I be hearing people, I'll be sitting back listening to their conversations. And I say, like, oh, man, I I can't be no part of it. I can't even be part of that. When you talk about, like, Trump this and Trump that and Trump this, when you got this bigot in the White House right now, he's an old senile bigot now. He's only there representing what the evil that these, that party represents anyway. But I, I can't even be part of that. Because you are being, your mind is being twisted by the garbage and the propaganda coming from the radio. You have to think with some intelligence. If you want my vote, then damn it, you're going to give me something to vote for. Other than that, man, look, I'll write in Mickey Mouse every time. At least I can serve on a jury. So, you know, I just had to call in with that. Until we get in our intelligence into our mindset that these are wings of the same stinking birds. My friend George Wilson, GW on the Hill, he told me, he used to be a journalist on Capitol Hill, he told me about the rhetoric they used to say when them cameras was on. As soon as those cameras was off, they were, oh man, I really, they're friends again and they walk out the door together, go have a beer together, and laugh at the people they done suckered once again, man. So I just had to well, get that off my chest because I'm sick of dumb shit. You well, know what I mean? And the stupid conversation. It's time for us well, to, like, say to these people, look, if I'm going to vote for you, damn it, give me something. And if you can't give me nothing, kiss my ass. I'll write in Mickey Mouse. So that's all I had to say, my man. Um, well, I'm enjoying the conversation, before, before, though, before. but I just had to get that off my chest because sometimes this rhetoric 
and this garbage you hear just being repeated, like somebody putting a fucking cracker in a parrot's mouth, and the parrot just repeats everything these stooges on these radio stations say. And you hear it, but they don't realize that's what they sound like. Well, let, it's frustrating. Let, let me say this. It's frustrating, re- Let me say this in reference to what you just stated. Um, the, the, and when I played that clip, the young brother asked her, he said, why don't black politicians say what they're going to do for black people? He said, our people have been abused all this time in this country. Uh, we need black politicians to say what they're going to do specifically for black people. Did you hear him when he asked her that? Mm, she and said twelve percent, like she was Barack Obama. Well, but no, she said, more well, she of a said the of black folks. Yeah, she said the reason uh, that it, like, it that can because you offend other people and you're only twelve percent. So then, in essence, you'll never get what you want as a people if you depend on these people. She gave you an answer. She gave you her answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She'll never so say what she's going to do for you because she'll offend white folks. Mm-hmm. And that's all she's there for. Mm, okay. Not you. So, all right, man. Uh, I'm going to continue listening. So, uh, all right, good program. I'll talk to you. All right. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Carla. Greetings, brothers. This is Brother Maurice. How y'all doing? Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm doing all right now. I'm going to bother Richard first because I, I, I'm offended. At, uh, at y'all calling me poor, I'm, I'm upper I'm upper class poor. Remember that. I'm upper class poor, brother. And that <laughs> I, I'm just saying that the, the break of the, the brevity of the conversation because it reminds me of that of that um, black journal um, piece that they did where they talked about is it too late? And then I was and when you I heard uh, Abrams talking, she sounded like Charles Diggs to me, Congressman Charles Diggs. So I mean the the point being that the conversation hasn't moved any forward, and we're talking about some 50 years down the road. But one of the things I, I want to kind of jump in, because I'm ashamed being from New York and being represented by, by Jeffries, but you already know um, how I felt on that issue, because I've been telling you about the shenanigans that have been going on here. But I do want to talk about something a little bit different just for a second, because I've I'm, I'm really been watching this whole debate that's been going on online uh, about reparations. I'm listening to all of these different people all over the place, all these different grassroots in conflict. I don't know if you know there's supposed to be a reparation thing going on in D.C. next week. There's supposed to be another one going on in D.C. in November in November and stuff. All these different groups uh, arguing over this whole issue. And then you see in the news you have um, uh, the Dutch, which which uh, just said they're going to drop two point uh, two two hundred and four million euros for for their and, and apologize about reparations and stuff of that nature. So I thought two million, two hundred million dollars and stuff. And so the first thing that I, I thought about when I heard the, the Dutch and people will say, well, how the Dutch connected? That's the East Indian Company. You read about that in your in your history book, so they can't even deny that because at least that aspect you know was in American history, the East Indian Company. But the thing is interesting about that is what I was trying to understand is. How does the how does the criminal determine what the what the punishment is going to be? How does the criminal tell you how they're going to be punished? The, the government said the Dutch government said we're going to take that two hundred million dollars. We're going to put it toward an educational program. Wrong, wrong answer. Let me tell you something. And this is what this is where 
you have to watch how these governments operate. Do you know that the Jewish people from the Holocaust, right, are still receiving reparations to this day from the German government? The German government in 2019 paid out $654 million in, in payments because it's about 400,000 people from the from, uh, uh, Jews that are left that are impacted. They have an organization that's set up to deal with the holistic aspect of the, of the and pay them pensions. So don't talk to me about some damn historical educational program, which y'all are all trying to stop people from being educated about what they did. And you're going to take the money and do that. You don't decide how to spend that money. Secondly, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted as I'm, I'm watching all these different meetings going on. And maybe I'm in my feelings about it because I remember when it wasn't popular to talk about reparations. I remember when it wasn't in vogue. I remember when people told, told you it was crazy. I remember when in Cobra was one of the few people that was standing up talking about it. Yet you got all these new people out here running their mouth and don't even pay attention to the people that set the foundation for it. These Negroes and stuff arguing with each other in, 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 in deflecting from what the, the, the mission is. I'm, I'm, I'm furious about that. I'm watching people. I'm sitting up there. I've been talking about reparations in my show from day one. I've sat, I, I, I texted you earlier. I told you they had, a, they had an event in my own backyard, and I wasn't even invited to the conversation. Not that I'm an expert, but none of these people was talking about it. None of them even thought about it, but now it's in vogue. So now they want to open their mouth and say something on the issue. I don't give a damn about what those people say because it's not genuine. <laughs> they don't give a damn about what, what's right. They don't give a damn about the suffering that people went through. Now, you, you know, and then I, I sent you the thing earlier. I think I texted you about the vote that went on in California. Yes. Well, this, okay, well, I, see I, that I, I, I almost said a word. I, I'm, I had to catch myself. I'm trying to understand the California Reparations Task Force did the work and they were moving forward to go to the next phase after they, they reported they're going to they, they, they report. Then you have this black politician that, that tried to delay the vote. I was like, what in the hell is going on? This is the, the stuff that you and Richard are talking about. A black person was like, no, we need more dialogue on it. What more do you need to find out about? What more information do you need? We have they had months of testimony, which I've showed on my I've showed on my program over the the months. Experts coming forward to talk about this whole idea of reparations. And California is the only state you could talk about. Not even New York was supposed to be damn progressive. We still got our reparations task force stuff still caught up in the Senate. At least California moved forward, and you got a black face talking about let's delay it. The one good thing that Gavin Newsom did, he he he, because he spoke to the reparations task force and they said no, don't delay it, moving forward, and he vetoed that that particular bill. So it's it's frustrating me as we're moving forward this conversation and you get these people that are popping up out of nowhere with organizations you don't know nothing about, and then and of course I just talked about that on my show because I was they, I, we always talk about COINTELPRO. everybody know about that. Uh, the Guardian did a piece on what they were doing in Stokely Carmichael, right? How the, the, the how the um I think the organization was the IBS or something like that, part of the British Secret Service, whatever they were going out and creating these black organizations and stuff to discredit black people and people who were in the movement. So I'm like, you know, so it it, it makes you wonder, right? 
when it, when the George Floyd movement, because see, it wasn't the other movement. It was a George Floyd movement. All of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody showed up, and millions of dollars got sent to them. And not a damn thing you could tell me they did in your community, except paint on the damn street. Tell me one thing they did. But yet you want to you want to sit up here. And the people are talking about, well, you shouldn't criticize them because they're doing good stuff. Did you go to the, go to their page and and read their outline? They tell you who that what they're about. And I and and I've had people um, not want to even deal with me because I said you are not going to use my black body or the black body of my family and my friends to push your agenda. If you want to talk about some stuff that's something about or something totally different, you go ahead and do that. But you ain't going to push my the police mistreating my community to push your agenda. They came up out of the Oscar Grant movement. People don't know that. And it, it, it makes me so angry whenever I talk about this stuff because I have tremendous respect for Cobra. They've been there for years. And for you not to invite them to an event, to even have cry about it, those, those brothers and sisters that I know that I, I might not be able to say their name, but I've seen them at event after event after event, standing on the issues and not compromising, that pisses me off. And you get these snot-nosed kids that but they wasn't even a, like I told you, they wasn't even a seed or a sperm talking about what they don't know nothing about. And the problem is because you don't know how to deal with this government because you ain't never been through none of the stuff that's going on. You know, I, I went, I went, I'm going crazy over this stuff, and I'm trying to. Is it me, brothers? Am I wrong? If you, if, if maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong about this, because you see, I'm passionate about it. No, you're not wrong. And you, and um, being passionate, and the work you're doing is the work that has to be done. See, a lot of people are are passionate, and they are not doing no work. And when we say about work, when whether it be by com- communicating to people to let them know what's going on, um, organizing within those communities, no matter how large or small, that's the work that that so that you can stay sane after after the after the moment of passion resides for a minute. But there's other people who are doing they ain't doing the work. They might be doing some might be doing talking, but they ain't doing the work because they'll find out. It ain't easy to organize us no. around our interests, around our interests, not around the party's interests, not around my income interests, not around my gender interests, but around our historical interests. It ain't easy because the other person, whether that be the COINTEL or or whatever, white nationalists or whatever, they got they're always got more guns, and guns don't have to be bullets in it. They can be, they can got propaganda machines. They got espionage machines. They got, they got collaborators. Mm. And, and we, and if we don't put that in, in our normal discourse of this is what we're up against. And that's why things don't seem like it's moving when they are. Well, yes, it will. Um, it will frustrate us, make us depressed at moments. Because one of the arguments, Brother Richard, that I've been hearing, and and um, the problem is, like, people are saying, now, we want to see your papers. We want to see yeah. you want to see somebody's papers because you want to see they're legitimate. Like, this, right. I, again, I don't want to do some advertising with somebody, but this rally is supposed to be next week for reparations, so I ain't going to mention the organization. One of these people from the Congressional Black Caucus was supposed to be showing up to speak there. 
So a lot of people from the grassroots were like, what? What's she going to be there for? <laughs> so they were like, this is not legitimate. And then so there's been an argument going online saying that, you know, we, 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 we need to um, at least give her a chance to say this or that. How long they been in office? They had a chance to talk about this since they stepped foot day one in the office. They ain't saying nothing new. What we need to hear. And that's they what those party, thing. And that's what those party representatives, that's what this whole infrastructure is afraid of. They're afraid of that positioning. What do we need to have them for? Because once we start saying that in every area of our social activity, then now we're looking only to us. Yep. We're not looking at them. And they, they, they don't, that's one thing they don't want. They don't want us to say, y'all over there, I don't even see you. I'm dealing with us and our, and our challenge. Because once we do that, then we're fully able to integrate amongst ourselves and relationship to who the other. And then we could say, well, as you said, they, they said, well, what do we need them for? They, they, they've been around. They ain't got, they ain't not did nothing in. Unless we going to use them. Now, see, you see, you just made a point that I made on my show previously, uh, Brother Elliot, when you talked about the numbers down and voted in Georgia. Who was the second most loyal group in the Democratic Party that supported Stacey Abrams that uh, have been supporting the Democratic Party? Black men. After black women has been black men. Mm-hmm. So they're setting up this particular narrative now. You got to be careful now when you hear people say things. You got to set up a narrative to blame black men if she don't win. She lost by yeah, almost exactly. 60,000 votes. She lost by almost 60,000 votes. So I asked the question on my show. There's about, there's about all these Hispanic people that are in, in, in Georgia. A lot of people play past that. There's about a million and a half Hispanic people in Georgia. Only 5% of those people voted. Only 5% of those people voted. Are you going to the Hispanic community and, and, and telling them, if I don't win and stuff, it's going to be your fault? You, ain't, you, ain't, you didn't make that connection? So you talking about five? Because ninety five percent of a million and some people didn't vote, and you you ain't made no connection to that. I just went off on my show and I said, "Give me a break. You are not good. We are black men are not being the scapegoat. Damn it, we we the devil has a better reputation than the black man. And I said that all the time on the show, and I refuse to be blamed for if she don't win. If she don't win, that she didn't present a good argument for people to vote for in the story. Black men have been loyal." to the Democratic Party and got not a damn thing out of it. Now, one more thing, I'm sorry, because I don't know if you, you didn't say anything about what Biden did with this whole thing with the marijuana stuff. I was told people, I said, are y'all falling for that trick bag with the federal stuff? Most people are locked up on state charges. <laughs> that federal thing only affects uh, 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 maybe a, a, a couple of hundred thousand, uh, thousands of people. You got a whole bunch of people all over the state. If you just said, if you just said all Democratic governors were going to, uh, absolve all marijuana charges against them and stuff, then that would have made a difference. I got people texting me about that nonsense. I'm like, you falling for the for the for the for the trick bag. <laughs> Why don't he talk about how he's gonna also he gonna get rid of the charges and then reinstate their right to vote. How about that? How about they say that? We gonna all the brothers and sisters that are still locked up, that are dead or not in jail, they're on felonies. How come you ain't talking about making jails um open so they can vote from there. Because there's plenty of people that's locked up that ain't got a felony and stuff, but they can't vote from a jail because there's no opportunity to vote. They don't use that except for voting for, for the purpose of um, money allocation, but they don't give them an opportunity to vote from those jails. Is anybody talking about that? 
Look, I don't want to dominate the conversation, brother. You see, I'm already hot and bothered because I'm frustrated because some. I, mean, I will admit, sometimes I feel like we, we we're speaking to people that are not listening. And I'm trying to talk passionate about it because I have a love for black people, and I don't apologize for that. I want the best for black people. I wanted that since the day I was born, since the day I opened my eyes and I looked up at my mother and my father, and when I was able to walk and talk and have a critical understanding of things which they provided to me, they said to me, do not leave the community, get a degree, and don't come back and get involved. And so my way of being involved is doing my show, and we've been doing it for 24 years. I'm word, door, I'm word, thought, and deed free. I don't take no money from anybody. A lot of these Negroes you see in New York City that's in political uh, on, on political positions like Richard talked about, I could, I could pull tapes and show you where they showed up on my show first. I could tell you there's plenty of them. You know Eric Adams? All of his people was on my show first when no, when he was only representing 100 blacks in law enforcement who cared. You're talking about uh, um, the, the, the uh, let me see, uh, the, the educational head, banks, on my show talking about trying to uh, do stuff with getting black young men into and uh, building up a school dedicated just for them. I've been in the struggle. I've been fighting. But you know the mistake I made, Brother Ellen, Brother Richard? I said this, and this is what dis- destroyed me in, in here in their eyes. A lot of these people is connected. I said, these damn Negroes are not doing anything for you. They've been in office for years. It's time for black people to stand up and vote them all out. And that's when they didn't want to deal with me no more. That's the last <laughs> thing I'm going to say. I'm going to get off and listen to the rest of the program. <laughs> Brother Maurice, thanks for your contribution, man. Talk to you soon. Wow. Take care now. Richard, uh, for we, you know what? I, I, I said that I wanted to play this last clip for uh, uh uh, I call it uh, 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 Jay in New York. Let me play this. This is in reference to uh, uh, the uh, banana in the tailpipe that uh, that uh, uh, Warnock and uh, being that he was mentioned by Schumer, Warnock and Booker played. Now here's uh, somebody that's going to expand on on what Schumer said, the lies that he told to uh, to uh, um. The golden, or the, or the what's his name? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Richard. The uh, on Madison, because Madison didn't seem to have enough intelligence to fire back at him or to come back at him. So listen to what, um, and this is a little bit longer clip, but listen to what uh, uh, John Boyd said when he uh, called up uh, Joe Madison's show in reference to Schumer and the lies that he told on the program. Uh, uh, boys around. I know it's here. Oh, here it is. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act reneged on promises made to to black farmers. Let's let's play it, and then I'll get uh, Farmer John Boyd's uh, response. Now, I have here something I, I need your explaining. Because uh, John Boyd, as you know, and you uh, know John Boyd with the black farmers. I do. Uh, very yeah. well. Uh, I'm reading this. And let me just read. And it says the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, Section 22008, repeals the American Rescue Plan Act 
uh, which provides black, native, and other Joe, farmers of Joe, color. Yeah. What, what, explain what happened. Okay, what we put in the bill, and this was led by our two African-American senators, Cory Booker of New Jersey and Raphael Warnock, <laughs> we put in $2.2 billion for black farmers. That's going to help them keep their farms. Now, there was in the old bill a, um, a, a proposal that there could be no more foreclosures. There should be a moratorium. They weren't sure that was legal. The administration can probably do that on its own in a good way, and we will hopefully get some of that done. But in the meantime, there's a lot of money to prevent foreclosures. So it was a good bill, and both Warnock and Booker were very happy with it as it came to black farmers. But uh, you can tell Mr. Boyd will work with them on the moratorium, which is something that should happen. Too. All, right, all right, then fine. All right, Mr. Boyd. <laughs> yeah, I heard him. I heard him. But, but Joe, uh, I had to come on because uh, after you had him on, we, we got a lot of calls that uh, we heard he was on your show. I didn't hear it, but the farmers was calling from around the country. And I want to clear some things up. All right. The, the language doesn't say anything about black farmers. It doesn't say anything about socially disadvantaged farmers. And it doesn't say anything about farmers of color. The first bill we had in 2016 specifically said just for black farmers. It failed in the farm bill. Then we came back and it said, okay, boy, we got to add farmers of color. And we think we can get something fast. And we did. We got debt relief for uh, black and other farmers of, 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 of color uh, for $4 billion and, and $1 billion for debt relief and discrimination. Now they come back and repeal that language, and they use the words farmers distressed. Uh, farmers distressed, uh, based on my conversation with USDA and, and all the people on the Hill, is any farmer, a uh, white farmer, could be a uh, white male farmer, white woman farmer, uh, uh, anybody could now take part in this measure. So there's no language in there about black farmers. There's nothing about uh, processing uh, uh, black farmers' cases. Uh, first, all of those things are not true. And I, if I remember <clears throat> previous conversations, when you start talking about processing debt relief, it's usually done on the local level. And isn't That's that not, isn't that where you where black farmers run into problems? We ran into problems, and the only thing that we had was uh, those letters. So all of those uh, uh, 14,000 farmers who were eligible to take part as right. a, uh, a person of debt relief had already signed their contracts with USDA to get 120% of our debt relief, 100% to write your, your loan off and 20% to pay the taxes, and not one person received the money. White farmers started suing us, so on and so forth. But this bill repealed repealed debt relief for, for black and other farmers wow. of color. And there's nothing in there, no safety guards that says that everything that they passed in that bill is for the discretion of the secretary. And I would like to listeners to know, under Section 1005 that we were brought in court, 1006, there was no restrictions. And under uh, Section 1006, there was already a billion dollars to pay farmers who have been discriminated against, and the secretary didn't pay one. And now they they want me to believe that all of a sudden USDA is going to start processing these cases first for black farmers. And and uh, we all know what what once they turn the money loose, what happens at at uh, USDA. So we see this Joe as another broken promise to black farmers. So another why, broken why, promise to, to blacks? Yeah. Why uh, uh, why John Boyd? 
Why do you think this happened? I mean, what was, what was <laughs> do, you, do you know what the politics was behind it? Well, they, they called me and told me don't say anything. I mean, what kind of stuff is that? Now, whoa, I don't whoa, have wait, any choice. Who told you not and to say, is, wait, this, no, slow down for a minute. I'm Democrats sorry. on the Hill, and, and okay. I want to say this on your show. Yeah, please. Black people in this country got a whole lot of damn choices. The president of the United States last July, Joe, at the White House, at, he said, well, boy, we need to have a formal meeting to see what we could do to, to work out some of these problems that black farmers are having. I said, yes, I want to have the meeting. And he he told me that uh, his person, uh, the former congressman from Louisiana, would help set this meeting up. No meeting happened, so he went back on his word on the meeting. And then they put this surprise language in there sometime at midnight. You know, some strange things happen at midnight. We all know what happened at midnight. But they put this, this weak language in there that waters down everything and opens it up for white farmers. It opened it up for white farmers to get the money under the word distressed, and it opened it up for any, any person that, who's been discriminated against. So it's not identified for, for black farmers as it was in the past. So we're still in court, and I think that this was uh, uh, a bad deal. Uh, this was a, 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 another empty promise, like 40 acres and a mule. We promised uh, black farmers $4 billion, at, and we take it back. I've never seen a president repeal his own language to help black people in this country. Uh, anything for blacks, we always, for some reason, we can't get it in this country. And I, I want to keep going back to that. 40 acres and a mule, you know, you can get it, but you can't get it. Uh, debt relief for $4 billion after, for over 30 plus years, we finally get it done. And then they repeal it. Then they repeal it. And he comes on your show and right. sells it like it's a happy deal for us. Uh, now, uh, there's let, no language in there about foreclosures. Now, uh, let, not, let me ask. Word about it. Let me, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me ask this. Um, he also said that uh, Cory Booker and Warnock were, yeah. in essence, pleased with this. Have you talked to them? I haven't talked to him. I talked to his deputy chief of staff a day before this language came out, Senator Warnock's, and they didn't mention one word to me about this language, not one word, because I never would have agreed to the wordings of that language. I've read the bill 50 times, and, and again, Joe, not one word in there about black farmers, not one word in there about farmers of color, uh, anything like that. It's, it's not there. It's not money for black farmers, like the senator said on your show. And I challenge anybody to read that language and show me one word in there where it says black farmers going to have their cases heard uh, first or anything like that. Okay. Uh, before we wind up the program, uh, let the call on uh, Jay from New York. Uh, Jay, I hope that you heard clearly what was stated by both the lies that were stated by Schumer, who's the head of the Democratic Party, him and Pelosi, and the truth that was mentioned by Boyd in reference to Cory Booker and Warnock. See, I don't this, this stuff about Warnock supports. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This stuff that this stuff that was Cory uh, that Warnock supports black farmers. That might be something that you believe. He don't have no town hall meetings expressing this stuff. This, this man said that he talked with both of them. Neither one of them mentioned anything like that. But he was told by people on Capitol Hill, don't say anything. Who do you think was telling him don't say anything? White lawmakers? Who do you think was saying it, Jay? Who do you think was who, telling him? Who, who was saying who? Who was saying who? Was saying, did you hear him saying, say? Don't say anything? Yeah. Did you hear him say that people on Capitol Hill was telling him don't say anything about this? Who do you think that was? I don't know. I don't know who he was talking to. I don't know if he was 
talking to Warnock people or the white people. I don't know. Well, wait, I, wait, I wait, 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 wait a minute. You think white lawmakers told John Boyd don't say anything? If you think oh, that, no, then I, you. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that they would have, but did he say. Well, who do you think was telling say, him don't I say. Didn't hear who do you did think was telling What do you mean you didn't Warnock hear it? I just played it for you. said you don't say anything. I didn't hear it. Oh, well, I, yeah, listen. Hey, I listened to your point, but I did, I did not hear him say that Warnock or Cory Bush's people said to don't say it. I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. no wait a minute. I'll, I'll listen to what you said. Well, no, wait a minute. I didn't, say that Cor- I didn't say that Cory Booker and Warnock told him don't say anything. He said you that the people. You, you asked me you if I'm, let me get it right. I'm, I'm trying to get it right to be clear. You asked me, who do you think said to him not to say it? Yeah, d- d- not to say anything about this. Who do you think said it? Because he had already told you that he talked with Booker's people and Warnock the day before this day language. Before and And neither one of them said anything. But he said before that, that when this came out, that he was told by people on Capitol Hill not to say anything. And I just asked you, just from your deduction, who do you... Then I would, then my assumption, my assumption would be that he's talking about the people who told him in the first place not to, not to say it. That's my, that would be my assumption for a day and a half. I I I could be wrong. I think I'm just going based on the, but I wanted to say this right quick, Elliot. Your, Your caller, two callers before said something about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Now, well, I, I don't necessarily want to talk about Donald Trump. Can I Trump. just say this right quick, please? This is important. Donald Trump took an ad out against the Central Park Five in New York City asking that they be put to death. And he has no issue or no problem with that. But he has an issue and a problem with Joe Biden calling black people cockroaches. Now, in the years that Trump was in office as president, and I'll tell you this because I benefit from it, the only thing as a black man I benefited from Trump and a whole bunch of people that I deal with, some benefit and a lot didn't, was his tax reform. Other than that, you can't name me nothing that he did that benefit black people more than what Warnock and Joe Biden will do to benefit black people on a collective with their legislation. And I'll give you a quick one that just happened that we don't take account to is the passing of the so-called protection of the Asian bill, violence against Asians, because the reality is this. And because of the hypocrites that we are and the hypocrites that we behave as, we would never admit that that bill also protects all ethnic groups in this country. That bill protects black folks, white folks, Puerto Ricans, and everyone else. Well, uh, uh, listen, the I, don't, I, don't, the I don't necessarily want to talk about that. I don't know. No Asian hate bill that protects black folks. It is not no, brother, d- it's a bill. Don't all bills supposed to that pass the Senate and the Congress and signed by the president supposed to protect all Americans and aren't black people American? But I, I, yeah, I, I don't okay. want to digress because that's something that maybe you don't want to accept. 
And I respect that, and I don't want to get no, into No, I, I was just trying to point out to but you. But the point of the matter is this, in regards to Donald Trump. No, well, I, but I, I, I don't want to talk about Trump. You can intelligently say that Donald Trump would be better for black folks when he had four years in office and absolutely did nothing for black what? folks. And a man who's been in office for 30 years. Listen, I never said anything. States, I never said anything for black folks. I never said anything about Donald Trump. Wait a minute. Hold it. Hold it. I never, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I never said anything about Trump. I don't care about Trump or Biden. I was trying to point. Come on, man. Listen. Are you. And listen, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want you to listen to me. You mentioned when you came on about Warnock was a friend of black farmers. I tried to point out to you from words of people that are there, not me just saying this. You heard Chuck Schumer tell some lies. You heard him throw black politicians under the bus that they was involved in it. You didn't hear them say it. He said it for them. And then you heard Boyd, who's been fighting for farmers, say that these people basically double-crossed him, including Biden. So, you know, don't don't assume that these people are no friends of black folks. Now, I'm not saying that he can't turn around in the future and make amends for what he has done to his people. But as to this point, he's no friend of black farmers. That's all I'm dealing with. I don't care nothing about Trump, Biden, Hunter Biden, whatever they, that's what they do. That's all I wanted to um, mention. Can I, can I, can no, I no, no, ask no, no. this one question? Well, we didn't ready to go now, but the, that I'm, a, I'm go ahead, talking you can ask about the statement that you're talking about, Elliot. Go ahead. Did he vote against the bill? Who? Did we not vote against the bill? That's the only question that needs to be answered. Did he vote against the bill? Now, his behavior towards did the bill. Did who vote against what, what bill? After the bill is a whole different thing. Wait a minute. But did did, he, he, vote did he vote against That's the bill? What are you talking about? What? Did he vote against what bill? The farming bill. Wasn't there a bill in regards to um, the money for the for the farmers? That's that's what I think all of this. Did who vote against the bill? Did who vote against the bill? Warnock. Did Warnock vote against the bill? No, he voted for the bill after after they excluded the money for black farmers. Right. So if he voted for the bill afterwards, he may have had some issues with the bill, and they may be trying to negotiate something or that. Trying to negotiate? Uh, it's already passed. Be, but the point of the matter is... You he heard, wait a minute, you don't listen. Schumer said, that they, Schumer said that there will he be no more negotiation. Okay, listen, man, I'm not even going to get going back and forth with that. You could go down to Georgia and vote for Warnock, uh, 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 Abrams, whoever you want, Jeffries, do what you want. I'm just trying to point out the truth for these people are not friends of black folks you do whatever you want i don't argue one about i'm not even gonna argue about it i'm not even gonna argue about it black people who is a friend of black people in the congress and the senate can you name them why would you ask me can i name them i'm trying to point out to these people that they haven't there are no friends of black people in the congress and the senate well yeah okay well now we agree well, now we agree. Where they can get a pension and well, become rich. Okay, now we agree. Thanks, night, brother. Thanks for your contribution, brother. Now we agree. Have a good night, my brother. Talk to you. <laughs> Richard. Yes, yes. That's it for this evening. 
you know, I talk, and another thing, too, um, Dr. Rogers' uh, program has been on a little break there. I talked to him today. He's uh, uh, He's been a little under the weather, but he'll be back up and running there very soon. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, to mention that to you because he, he hadn't been on. I, I, you know, I knew something was going on. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's he's doing good, and uh, he'll be back up and running with the program pretty soon. Okay. Yeah, Tim Tim told me, because, uh, you know, Tim, a big fan of Dr. Rogers' program. He never misses it. Because, you know, I hadn't listened on Tuesday for a while because, you know, all this stuff I was kind of tied up in. But he kind of told me, and then when I listened uh, the past couple of weeks, I heard that he wasn't on. But I did contact him, and he's uh, he's kind of recuperating. But he'll he'll be back on and up and running very soon. Uh, yeah. before, we, before we leave today, I just want to let you know tomorrow you can catch uh, the elders of Sankofa from seven to nine p.m. with host brother Alfonso Watkins, and and uh, check out the program uh, on Sunday. We'll be continuing the conversation with brother Kaba Kamani. Some of the issues that we have been discussing uh, last week, we're going to expand the discussion with him. I think it'll be an interesting discussion, Richard. Yeah. Also, also, uh, uh, Brother Maurice brought up the farmers. Uh, excuse me, not the farmers. Uh, reparations. I'm sorry. And uh, on the fourth, I think it's the fourth. When is it? The fourteenth, Richard? Uh, that uh, no, the sixteenth. Uh, attorney Deirdre Farmer. Pillman to be, be on mm-hmm. with us. And she's been on the forefront of this issue for quite a while. Uh, work with all the organizations. In fact, uh, you remember when she was on, she said to Johnny, uh, when they was working with reparations in the early 90s, that Johnny brought on as a young attorney. You remember? Yep. John, Johnny Cochran. So uh, she'll be with us on the 16th. And, uh, and he... Uh, discussion you want to have in ref, uh, reference to reparations or what's going on. I think, in fact, I think one of the things that um, uh, Brother Marie sent me, one of the discussions, I think it was the dis- discussion at Harvard, she was one of the speakers that that had that spoke there. Mm. So, uh, you know, she'll be here with us on the 16th discussing a lot of these issues. So uh, just mark that on your calendar. Uh, Brother Kaba is going to join us on Sunday. And attorney Deirdre Farmer Bellman will join us on the 16th. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon. Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know. The 
Children. To save the children. 